Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Give to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App. And make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is healed, whole, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast uh, on all of our social media outlets, definitely our YouTube page, um, on Spotify, on TikTok, uh, Instagram, everywhere you pretty much can find us at Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. So make sure you guys are doing that, uh, following us. Also, I'm going to tell you guys how you can win $100 from the podcast, and it won't cost you anything. But you have to stay to the end of the episode in order to get that information, uh, which I know you're going to stay anyway. So just hang out a bit. Um, and we're going to jump right in. One of the things we started is our product of the week. Uh, as you know, uh, we are a self-sustained podcast. And so we have products that you may pur- purchase in order to support the podcast. And one of the things that we have is our deal to heal teas, which is on uh, Shopify. So our product of the week is our shirt, our t-shirt that says, make sure I get it. It says, recognize your progress in the process. Recognize your progress in the process, T. Um, so we know that we are all on a journey and we all have our own goals and accomplishments that we want to meet. And a lot of times we so focus on it that we don't realize how far we've come. And so it just as a reminder to recognize your progress that you've made in the process of getting to where you're trying to get to, even though you may not have reached your goal yet, but you're definitely farther than where you were before you started. So again, you can find that at uh, on our website for our uh, Deal to Heal Tees. That's where that is. Um, Deal to Heal Tees on Shopify. So it's deal to heal teas.myshopify.com. That's to recognize your uh, progress. T, uh, recognize your progress in the process. So guys, please check that out. All right. Also, our website. Our website is up, dealhealfulfill.org. Dealhealfulfill.org. If you go there, you'll find more out about myself. Um, and our whole movement and everything that we have going on. And uh, there's also information about the podcast, there's inf- information about um, the uh, 
webinars and things that we are uh, associated with, uh, definitely um, forgivenessmission.com. Uh, uh, we are a part of that. Uh, there are also links to go to uh, ebooks by ejames.com, which is where our ebooks is at. There's also a link for um, the Deal to Heal Tea. So if you just go to our website, dealhealfulfill.org, you'll be able to find out everything, a little about everything that we have going on and definitely the links um, that we have to get you there. So we're going to jump right into our podcast today. Just like any other day, we are blessed with a guest. Miss Amber, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. First of all, let me say thank you for being here. Uh, you could have been doing anything else, but you took our time to be here with me and my listeners, and we definitely appreciate it. Thank you so very much. No, thank you. So, Amber, we're going to jump right in. So do me a favor, introduce yourself uh, to my listeners and let them know who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Amber Myron, and I am a organizational coach, a full-time teacher as well. And I love to do podcasts and any other motivational type of work to really help anyone who's struggling with overcoming something uh, because I've had my personal experiences with that. And so I'm just kind of using what I've learned to hopefully help others. Okay. Okay. So Amber, um, tell us a little bit, because I, I always say before we get to the person we are now with the heart that we have to help others by our own experiences, that there wasn't a, an experience that we went through that changed us to make us say, okay, now that we've got through it, we want to be able to help someone else. So I always ask, what is that journey? Uh, what was that journey for Amber that you were who you were and then now you're going to this, this transformation or this experience that changed you into who you are now? So who is Amber before we see the version of yourself that you are now? Yes, I think that's a great way to put it, that the transformation happened. And I think what's especially important is during that transformation, I didn't think that I would come out on the other side, right? And so for anyone who's listening and kind of feels like they're in that stuck position, just know like the other side is so beautiful. And that other side is where you're like, okay, I've learned the lesson. I learned it the hard way, but now I'm on the other side of it and I can help others. And so kind of the, the lowest point I got to was uh, about two years ago, I uh, started to develop symptoms where I couldn't breathe normal. Uh, eventually, I basically became bedridden for about three months and doctors couldn't really figure out what it was at first, but I lost everything, right? I wasn't able to go to my job. I completely isolated myself from everyone I knew because I was slowly like losing my mind at the fear of what is this illness? What does this illness mean to my life? And so I basically did everything wrong, right? I isolated myself. I didn't really seek help at first and I kind of catastrophized everything. And so not only did was my health bad, but also my mental health was terrible because I was so scared of what this meant for me. And I'm a, I'm a passionate teacher, and so not being able to go into the classroom because I was bedridden was horrible for me. Um, then luckily, I eventually got diagnosed. I have two chronic illnesses, and one is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and the other is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And so both of them cause like chronic pain, but also extreme lightheadedness, trouble with exercise or exertion in any way. And so I really just kind of felt like I had two choices. One was to give up or one was to adjust my life to the illnesses. And luckily with the help of other people, I was able to adjust my life. But definitely at first it was, I didn't accept the illnesses. I just felt like, okay, well now my life is over. And that created just like the biggest hole I've ever been in in my life. Okay. Okay. So let, let's talk about a little bit. Uh, you mentioned some of it about, you know, when you're in this, this space and you're going through, you know, your own mental, uh, mental health challenges at that time, you know, um, I've definitely been vocal about my challenges uh, on the podcast 
with depression and and things of that sort of, or or even having suicidal thoughts uh, because of the depression that I was in and going through that that transition period um, when I was at my lowest, you know, before coming out on the other side. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, those battles of, of that you were having, you know, uh, with your mental health at that time. And what were some of the things that helped you to, to kind of pull out of that? Yes. And I so appreciate your vulnerability as well for sharing that. Because I think me hearing others share that only makes me feel better. Um, and mm. to hear that other people can relate to my struggles of having anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideation just makes me feel like, okay, well, these people are successful. These people have beautiful lives. And so that ha had helped me as well when I was uh, really down. Because at first, when I was really down, I just decided to not speak to anyone, to not reach out for help, and to isolate myself. And that created just more depression and more anxiety. And then at the same time, I had the, un I wasn't diagnosed yet with my chronic illness. And so I was just like, okay, I'll probably die from this. I've been in bed. I can't get out. Every time I try to get out of bed, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I can barely walk a couple steps. And so with those thoughts, you know, I was lucky enough to have the support of my family who really intervened and got me more supports. And so I guess something that I, I feel is really lucky is yes, I had to dig myself out of that hole, but I also had to have help from other people. Like I had to make the decision to accept help. Um, but ultimately there were so many people who, who helped me through it, like just other doctors or therapists or psychiatrists. Um, and then slowly, you know, leaving that isolation and going back into those friendships, uh, made, made the change even, even greater. Yeah. I think our community is definitely at a, a, a invaluable, um, um, support system, you know, especially getting through those times. And I always say that was one of the things that helped me the most um, was I had a support system that pulled me along when I didn't have the strength to, to you know, pull myself out. You know, um, I definitely had people that loved me, supported me, they kind of like, all right, you know, kicking or screaming, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dragging you up out of this hole, mm -hmm. you know, and until we're able to say, okay, there is sunlight out here and started to regain our strength to, you know, kind of push forward on our own. So that's why I want to ask about that because definitely our, our, our friends, our family, you know, whatever that support system looks like, you know, and definitely one of the reasons why I'm so vocal about, you know, my experiences because we're all having them, you know, we're all having these experiences. We all are going through something, you know, and sometimes we feel like we're the only ones, you know what I mean? And then we yeah. sometimes we feel like there's no, there's no way out. And when we were feeling like that, you know, the best thing we could do is to reach out to others to let somebody know, you know, because oftentimes on our own, we don't have the strength, you know, we don't have the, the physical strength sometime and, or it might just be the mental strength to, to push forward. And I know those were the things that helped me to get out was definitely the support system and those that love me enough to, you know, help me out at that time. But um, another thing I want to, you, you mentioned about, you know, being able to accept, you know, that you had these chronic illnesses and how that, what that meant for your life. Because at the at the moment, you know, you're, you're down, you're bedridden, and like you said, you're thinking like, all right, this is the end, you know. But coming to that place of acceptance, you're able to be like, you know what, it's not the end. Yes, I do have this. What can I do to uh, to move forward with it? Because it ain't going nowhere. You know, so since I Absolutely. have it, what can I do to, 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 you know, get past it? So one of the things that I, I teach is uh, the three A's when dealing with adversity and it's uh, acknowledgement, acceptance, accepting, and then ascending, right? Mm -hmm. First I acknowledge, okay, this is what it is, you know, like it or not, this is where I am, you know? And then after you accept it, then, I mean, after you acknowledge it, then you have to accept it. Okay. What does this mean now? You know, what does this mean, you know, for my life? What does it mean for this situation? What does it mean for my relationships? Whatever, whatever it affects, whatever it touches, what does this mean now? And the last one is a sin. So now that I've taken out in consideration, what do I need to do to move forward? You know, what do I need to do to extend 
extend, uh, you know, exceed to the, to the next uh, part of my life or whatever the situation is. So as for you, you know, going through that same process of being able to, okay, accept this is where I am. I have this, you know, uh, illness. How do I move through it? And how do I ask for help if I need it? Like that whole process, what was that like for you just accepting it? And then what were some of the things that you did to put yourself in a better position to say, okay, let me reach out to who I need to reach out to or whatever it is that I need to do to move forward? Yeah, I love those three A's. And I think acceptance is definitely a journey. And I had to realize that acceptance would take me further than resistance. And so learning to accept, okay, your life is going to be different. I had to grieve the life that I thought I was going to have. Mm -hmm. And I had to accept my new life. And I had to figure out ways how to make my new life yeah, easier for me. And so for me specifically, it was things like, okay, you know, which doctors do I need to go to for how do I need to change my diet? You have to have like double the salt of a normal person. Um, you have to have like double the water of a normal person. You should be eating every two hours to keep up your energy. And so just like simple things like that, where I was like, okay, I have to figure this out. And also you don't have a lot of energy. So you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to have all these meals to eat if I can't really cook? There's about 25% of people with POTS uh, are unable to work. And so I also had to accept that I might become fully disabled and unable to work as a teacher. And that was something that was extremely hard to accept. And uh, even today, as I teach full time, because of the steps I've taken with my health and because I've accepted you know, my family making meals for me or uh, my friends helping me, you know, I just moved to a new apartment. They're them helping me with the physical labor of it because I'm uh, kind of unable to do that. You know, having all of that support has made it possible for me to continue to function in the things that I love, but also I can't, I know and accept that I can't do everything that I want to do, that mm -hmm. I can make adjustments to what I want based on the reality. So I'm not going to be able to go like hike Mount Everest or, you know, um, <laughs> be able to be standing up as a teacher all day and walking around. I have to sit a lot as a teacher um, and that's not what I would love to do. But again, just kind of slowly accepting those things and accepting the help, which was really hard because I definitely was like, oh, I have to, you know, do everything by myself. I need to take care of myself. If I don't take care of myself, I'm a failure. Um, and then I think, you know, I had to change my mindset of like, who doesn't have other people help them, you know, mm -hmm. and how dare I think that I should go through life alone, where I always emphasize to students that they should lean on their support systems and build a community. And so I kind of had to you know, find my own hypocrisies and, and deal with my own uh, demons to to fully accept. And, you know, I still have to accept each day, but I'm I'm better than I was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that acceptance part, like you said, that's a lot of the time the hardest one. And not just accepting the situation, but accepting help. Right. And so I know a lot of people that that uh, even in my own family, you know, who has been through transitions of, of different things, whether it was, you know, complications from an illness or, you know, a stroke or whatever it is. And um, they're so, uh, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't say upset, but I'm not, that's not really the word I want to use. But I would just say upset at the fact that I can't do what I once did. You know what I mean? I can't take care of myself like I used to. And that acceptance part of it, even when physically you're you're not just fighting me but you're fighting yourself because you're trying to make your body do something that is not no longer able to do you know uh some of of my loved ones you know couldn't walk the way that they used to walk you know but instead of asking for help or using a walk or something like that it's like no I'm going to I'm going to walk you know and it's like then you fall and it's like look mm -hmm. I, I understand but we're here now you know, and so that that acceptance part is is, is very big and, and definitely takes some uh, getting used to. Um, but definitely, you know, with those support systems and those people that love you and being able to see, hey, this is what you want. 
you want to have someone to pick you up when you fall because there are going to be times when we fall, whether, you know, physically or mentally, you know, financially, whatever you want to, uh, you know, put it that we all go through seasons where we need some help. And so definitely being able to say, you know what, I am no better than anybody else or I am just as fragile as the next person, yet also just as strong as the next person. Mm -hmm. And we all need each other. You know, and so definitely having that mindset to change to acceptance and be like, yeah, you know, this is where I am. I need the help. Let me accept those who love me enough to come help, you know, and assist me in the situation that I am. I, I really love that. I think that's important. And so even through the midst of that, you know, there's a, a transition with that also, you know, so now that you have accepted that you're getting the help, you know, like you said, you can't, you can't. Uh, do things as you used to do, even as a teacher. Like, yeah, I know I would love to be at the front of the class and, you know, instructing everybody, you know, for a whole day and, you know, being the focus of attention for my students. But there's times when, you know, I have to, I have to sit down, you know, and so I have to, you know, you've had to adjust even the way that you do your job, you know, uh, which, you know, is something that you, you love to do. And so I can definitely, uh, understand like even the thought of having not being able to do it no more, not being able to go to work, not being able to be with my students. And so just the relief of, okay, I can do it, but now I have to just make some adjustments, you know, in order to make it uh, feasible for me and still be effective for my students. So what was a little bit of that, that, or, or just some suggestions that you can give, you know, through your own experience of making those adjustments to be able to say, you know what, it's going to be different, but it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And we're going to Absolutely. be able to get to that, that next, that next step. Yeah. I think I definitely started out feeling like, okay, well then I'm again, I'm not good enough if I'm not doing it the way I used to do it. And what so many others have told me also is there's no one way, one right mm -hmm. way to be a teacher, right? There's no one right way to lead your class. And so you know, if you had a teacher that asked her, you to come to this, you know, teacher's desk, are you really thinking less of them? Right. And I'm also open with my students. I'll be like, okay, I'm feeling pretty lightheaded. So I'm going to be at my desk. I want you guys to come show me what you're working on. Da, da, da. You know, I'd love to see and talk with you. I'm just not going to be able to walk around constantly. And I, you know, I talked with a, a friend of mine who works in education as well. And she was, I know teachers who don't get up. You know, I know teachers who, because of their health, they're more in their chair than they are standing up. And that doesn't make them less of a teacher. They're still a rock star of a teacher, right? They still influence those kids' lives and they're still able to do their job. And I think what was different about them is they accepted it, right? They had already accepted it and I hadn't. And so once, you know, I started to realize, okay, I can be a better teacher if I accept this, right? I'm a better teacher if I don't pretend I'm able to walk around the room and then, you know, become so lightheaded I'm about to pass out. I'm a better teacher if I'm open communication with my students about my hardships because it only leads to them feeling more comfortable to tell me about theirs and, and for me to be able to um, connect them with counseling and et cetera. And so I think it's like my own stubbornness and my own ego that was really in the way um, mm -hmm. of not being able to accept, okay, you just do it. You do it differently. You do it differently and you accept help because people want to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of another thing that there are people who want to be there for you. You know, we just have to learn to uh, accept it. I, that's definitely a great point uh, to my listeners. I know you guys are getting uh, some great uh, value from this. Make sure you guys subscribe to the to the podcast uh, on YouTube and and other uh, platforms. Uh, and not only just don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody else. Let let others know that we're here. You know. Uh, so Amber, I want to talk a little bit about because you you said you told us you were a teacher. Um, what what grade level do you teach, and what what subjects do you teach? I am a high school teacher. I mostly teach ninth graders. I teach U.S. history, uh, the second half of U.S. history, and I uh, about half of my sections are specifically for recent immigrant students who are learning English, um, and so the class is adapted to their needs as well. Okay, cool, cool. So I know um, one of the things I always 
you know, which is not a surprise, but I always tell my guests when, when you fill out the guest request, the guest request form, I go back and I look at some of the things that, um, some of the things you are, we have already done that's on social media. And one of the, one of the things I came across that you had did, uh, was an interview with, uh, Aaron Brown on, uh, resilience in action. Uh, Aaron, who I also was a guest on her show, um, great show, great host. And you guys were having a conversation, um, about, uh, the changes in, in in the educational system around the U.S. history and what may be considered the true history, because of course their history has been written in a way that is like, hey, this was a great thing, and we built this country, and look how great it is. Not really bringing to light the things that you that was done to create this country, you know, to you know how it affected. The, uh, the immigrants, not the immigrants, but how it affected the indigenous people who are already here, mm-hmm. you know, how it affected, you know, the people that were brought here, how it affected the people that came, you know, the immigrants that might have merged, merged, migrated here, you know, how it even affected them. And a lot of times with history, you know, is, is let me just show you the good parts. You know what I'm saying? And don't look at the backside of this, you know, just look at the outcome and not necessarily things that that was going forth in the midst of it. So just uh, in your experience, you know, what has been your experience as a teacher, definitely with high school students, first of all. <laughs> so I know one of the things that I do as a speaker is I go to um, to talk to high school students before they, you know, get out to the rail to talk to them about preparing uh, for that rail. So I know there's that's a whole you know, experience within itself just for the small time that I'm there. So you being there every day, blessings to you, you know? And also, <laughs> one of the things that I always say, and I'm glad I just said that because I thought about it. I want to say thank you, first of all, because I always tell teachers, thank you for your service. And a lot of times we reserve that statement or that sentiment for our armed forces. Um, but I definitely always like to say thank you for your service because you're on the front line of a different war. You know what I mean? You're on the front lines of a war from within because mm-hmm. it's one thing to protect our country from its enemies on the outside, but we also sometimes have to protect ourselves from the enemies on the inside, which is our environments and things that we've taught, things that's being passed along with from us as a, you know, as a nation, as a people, as citizens, you know, and especially with our children and the, you know, the access that they have to information nowadays, some right information, some wrong. Yep. So with our teachers that's on the front line of that war, they're saying, hey, let me lead you the right way, despite all of these outside noises that you may be getting. And so I definitely like to say thank you for your service to all of my teachers and definitely uh, to you um, for the work that you do. Um, but going back to that, you know, just as a your experience as a teacher of high school students, how, how has that been? Oh, it's honestly the best job in the world. It really is because these students are just like everyone else. They're um, curious and crazy and excited and going through their own personal stuff. They know correct information. They know incorrect information. They are really just sometimes we say it's like society is shown through our high schools and that it mm-hmm. feels like we can see everything that's going on just within that those four walls of our classroom. And that's really what it's been, especially post-COVID. Students have been dealing with a higher level of mental health issues. And I feel extremely lucky that students have felt comfortable with me and to share those things with me and so that I could connect them to the right resources. Um, it's also especially fun to be a history teacher because I'm not just teaching history. I'm connecting everything to today. So Mm. if we're talking about, um, you know, the migration of, uh, you know, Mexican Americans during World War II and then kind of after World War II, uh, having those Mexican Americans be deported back to Mexico just because the U.S. was like, nope, never mind. We don't want, um, them to have jobs. And then comparing that today, like who can immigrate to the US today? Who are we stopping from having jobs today? How do deportations work today? And so the kids are 
passionate about that. You know, I mean, of course, there's certain kids who are a little bit more into whatever's on their phone, but most of my students really do want to understand, I think, the the horrifics of the past mm -hmm. and how that's related to today and what can we do about it, right? They're really action oriented, which is, I mean, if you study most movements, they're often led by young people. Yeah. And that's what I tell my kids is like, you guys are the, pe the people who can lead these movements. Don't think that you can't. And so they have lessons that I've designed where they can create some kind of protest or, um, idea or policy that would create that change for them because they they don't believe america is perfect because they've they can see it in their own lives right i i teach in a really diverse um school system i grew up in the really diverse school system and so you know there's only a small subset of americans who can really say like oh well i just never experienced this hardship or that hardship and so luckily they are aware of it and then I get to give them some context of like, where did this problem come from, right? Where is this, you know, people ask me, I had a student ask me like, why are people racist? And I was like, great question. Let's talk about that. And I was like, specifically in the United States, here's kind of how it began. And obviously there's no like just reason for this. There's no um, facts that back this up. And, but then also putting it in a global context, because a lot of my students are from other countries and understanding like America has huge faults. Your country probably has huge faults. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, this class isn't to push patriotism. This class is to give you the truth that you need so that you can create progress in society instead of creating a dangerous like nationalist patriotism within the United States where we're not able to accept the flaws in our system and work to change them and that's what's actually happening right now in florida there's um a new advanced placement class african-american studies or african-american history i'm not sure which what is the name of it but florida has banned that from being taught um and so that's you can see when people are not taught the real history and people are angry and when racist people take power, they're just going to they take away that education because they know how powerful that education is. And so it really is dangerous when we think about what they're trying to take away from students knowledge, mm -hmm. because that's just going to reinforce racism if they don't understand the right. context of it. Right, right. And I, and, and, and I agree with you. I, I want to talk a little bit about your own personal experience, because like you said, you, you grew up, uh, I guess, in a, in a high school that was way more diverse, you know, than probably some of these other areas. And um, and I heard you say uh, before, not necessarily just here, but, you know, the experience of what it was like for you in high school and then to go to college is like, oh, this is different. You know what I mean? And then even having some of those uh, experiences in college around different people who may not have been exposed to as much diversity as you were. And, you know, maybe some conversations that had to come of that. So talk to us a little about, about your growing up in high school with diversity and how that transferred, you know, over as you went up forward to college. Yeah, I was extremely lucky. I went to high school in Gaithersburg, Maryland, which is often the, the most diverse city in the United States. And um, at that high school, it was about 10% white, 10% Asian, um, the rest split 50 or not 50, 50, but 35, 35 um, with um, Latinos and um, African Americans. And then, of course, we had students who were mixed race and students who were um, Native American as well. And so being able to grow up in a place where the groups that are treated like minorities in America were the majority in the school, I was able to learn so much from them um, and have these beautiful relationships with so many people who had experienced racism or who really understood it at a level deeper than I ever would, that they were my friends. They were the people who were teaching me about life as I'm becoming you know, a teenager and as I'm going through my teenage years. And so because of their vulnerability and their ability to educate me, I felt like I had this gift of knowing 
more than a lot of other white people would. Like, especially if I compare it to like my family members who lived in less diverse areas, they might ask me questions about race because they're like, my whole school was white. I don't know anything about anyone from another race. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you're starting with me, you know, because I think they say a lot, white allies should be the ones on the front lines of a lot of this educating other white people because it's not fair to put that burden on people of color. And so I've really Mm -hmm. felt that in my own life of feeling like, okay, well, if I want to be anti-racist, then this is what I have to do. I have to educate others about this and I can't shy away from it. And so it's got more, you know, it's always been pretty natural for me to um, converse about it. And so, but it's not always natural for other people, you know, other Mm -hmm. white people who might be my family, or who are, um, like when I went to college, there were other white people who just assumed, oh, I would laugh at a racist joke too. Or I would also say like, you know, something negative about a different group of people. And so calling them out on that in a way where I am being gentle with them um, in the sense that I'm not using my anger to create more of a problem, but being harsh enough with what I'm saying that they have to think about it, right? So when I went to college, it was way more white than my high school was. And so when I made friends with many different white people, I realized that, okay, they say these things to me because they think I'll accept this. They say this racist joke because they think I'll be fine with it too. Or they talk smack about, you know, people of color from their high school and they think I'll be fine with that. I'm like, all my friends from high school are people of color. Like, how are you, you know, that's not going to fly with me. And so being able to be someone to interject in their trajectory of racism and, and implicit bias and things like that, I felt very lucky to do. Um, but also, you know, I'm learning more and more ways to do it every day because, you know, in college I would call out this For example, um, you know, like my next door neighbor who would say these racist things um, that she believed. And every single time I would just call her out on it, call her out. And obviously I also didn't really want to hang out with her much anymore. But at the same time, I, I knew if I can say these things to her, can it make a difference? And the same thing with like extended family members who really don't have much experience um, with discussing racism at all because their schools probably didn't teach it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, for me to be able to kind of give them his- history of it, but also like the current context of it, um, I think it is eye-opening to them. If it, if it doesn't solve the issue, it, at least it pushes them a little bit forward. And then at least they know like I'm there for them. Like I want them to change, you know, I want them to stop having these implicit biases and I will, you know, take on the weight of, their comments so that I can push against them. Right, right. And I and I appreciate that. And and like you said, uh I agree with you a hundred percent that is it's one thing to say, you know, I'm not racist, right? And but it's not just the fact that you're not, but are you correcting those who are? Are you giving a voice to you know those who uh, who also may not be racist, but giving a voice to, to end racism and how it shows itself, you know, in our society, whether it's you know in our education, whether it's you know on our day to day, you know, is is sometimes it takes more than just saying, oh, I'm not that. Where what are you? You know what I mean? And where do you stand on making a difference to change? You know, uh, Wesman said, and so I definitely appreciate it because we, as a people, and not just saying myself as as being African American, but we as a people in the United States need to be able to stand up for one another. To not just say, "Oh, I'm not that," but also, not only am I not that, but I'm going not going to stand by and allow you to just continue to be in that place as if there's nothing wrong with it. You know, and I know even in my own personal experience, um, I'm definitely uh, grateful for your vulnerability because I remember having a conversation with one of my coworkers and him telling me that him and his brother, who I, I worked with and was, you know, was uh, friends with, that they grew up in a racist household. And, you know, from their father and going back, it was like, we that's how we grew up. But him and his brother made a conscious decision that we're not going to continue to 
you know, uh, perpetuate um, that kind of mindset, you know, and so they just with, within themselves just say, okay, I'm going to be different. I'm going to reach out to people of, of, you know, different groups and different ethnicities and really, you know, build these bonds. And like I said, we were, we're still friends today, you know, um, because of that. And so, but it was someone taking a stand and not just saying, oh, that's not me, but also putting in the effort to to try to change things, uh, which is again, why I definitely appreciate you and definitely appreciate, you know, you as a teacher and all teachers, because again, you are at the, you are at the, the forefront uh, or the front line of, of this war that we're in of changing the mindsets of our nation. Yes, we do live in a great nation. We do. And and I do believe that America is a, is a great nation, but America's greatness was built on some horrible things that happened. And we can't not deny those things because those things are still affecting us today. And if we deny it, then we're not only hiding our history, we're hiding the fact of who we can become as a nation. And the only way we're going to be able to become better is if we do better. But if we don't know what we're <laughs> doing better from, how can we do better? We're like, oh, we're good. We're good. No, we're, we're, we're not as good as we think we are. You know? So again, I definitely appreciate you uh, and, and the work that you do. Um, one of the things that, that you, just to change things up a little bit, one of the things that you mentioned uh, was with you helping other people. And I believe you have a coaching program that kind of helps, you know, from your experiences to help others who may be going through some things, uh, going back to, you know, just accepting, you know, the different things that it's in our lives. So tell me a little bit about your, your coaching program. Yes. Um, so I am coaching anyone who has kind of feels like they're in a new place in their life, right? Normally a lot of people, even students, I've worked with young people as well, just with COVID, that is like an adjustment, right? Um, having been outside of school and then to go back into school, these kids did not know what to do. I mean, I think it's similar for some adults who are going back into the workplace after having maybe a better work-life balance being at home or having a worse work-life balance, depending on what their job is, et cetera. <laughs> but I think there's so many things that feel like they're huge changes and how do we navigate these huge changes? And uh, I really enjoy getting to kind of be an empathetic listener and hear these changes that are occurring in people's lives. And then also uh, kind of giving them hope and giving them concrete steps of, okay, you know, first you got to, like you said, acknowledge that this big change happened and we can't go backwards. We can only go mm -hmm. forwards. And then how do we accept that? And that acceptance is a journey. So you don't have to accept everything every minute of every day. Like it can be a challenge and you can continue that. And then kind of how do you reorganize your life around that? And so, you know, for me and my illnesses, it's okay. How do I, you know, I need to wake up and take my vitamins. I need to do this. I need to do that. Da, da, da. And so what are those things that are going to keep me going? And then ultimately, why do I want to keep going, right? And trying to help uh, clients figure that out, that out as well. Like, what is the meaning of my life? What do I feel like is the, the goals that I want to achieve? Why do I want to get up even though it's going to be hard, right? Why do I want this to – why do I want to succeed even though I know it's going to be harder now because of this change? And I think what's – you know, I alluded to earlier too, is that sometimes when you go through your hardest moment, that's when you realize, oh, here's why I want to do what I want to do, or here's my why, or here's how I want to help other people. And so that's kind of how it worked for me as I went through this tough hardship and I realized, okay, well, what can I offer to people? Okay. I can offer them advice on how to reorganize their life after catastrophe. And I think others can kind of do the same of like, okay, now that this has happened, this some kind of grief or uh, illness or um, life change or divorce or something like that, you know, I've been there, I can tell you a little bit about it. And here's some steps that, you know, we can work on together to concretely change your life. And I feel so lucky to get to work with my clients. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's good. You, you mentioned a couple of things. Uh, one thing about it is it's, it's all new, right. And, you know, even going through the, the pandemic myself, I am 
consider an essential worker. So I am into uh, construction and I'm in uh, home health care. So both of those were still going, you know, so we still were going out. We still were dealing with clients. Um, and there were some definite changes even in the workplace, um, especially on the, the home health care side. We had staff that were afraid because of the COVID, so they didn't want to come to work, you know. And so those of us who were still willing to, you know, be there for the people who we had to help, you know, we end up doing more hours and things like that. So that was a change, you know. And so we're going through these changes. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, uh, there's a term that I learned in bereavement was dealing with your new normal. Like, what is the new normal? Because it's definitely not going to be the same anymore. You know, COVID mm -hmm. has definitely changed some things in our world. You know, it's like, okay, so now we're here. What is this new normal? And being able to adjust to it and, and move forward. So I'm glad uh, that you do that that kind of work. Um, also, with, with your coaching, you have a ebook, right? Yes, I have an ebook called Rain in the Chaos, uh, Get Organized, Stay Organized. And it's more of a general organizational workbook that just deals with like, how do I work on my procrastination, but really from a holistic lens of, okay, well, maybe you're procrastinating because your mental health isn't great. How can we deal with that? Or maybe you're procrastinating because this isn't the job or the thing that you want to do or you know, what's getting in the way of you achieving your goals. And so it has concrete steps of like, you know, proven ways to work on staying organized and mapping out your day. Um, but it also addresses how do, we, how do you prioritize joy in your life as well, right? How do you not just say, oh, I'm gonna tick off all these things on, on my boxes and I'm gonna do well at my job and that's it. How do you say, okay, you know, most recent happiness studies said that warm relationships are the number one indicator of having like a good and healthy life. And so how do I plan in time to see my friends and to cultivate relationships? And how do I plan in time to also take care of myself in whatever way that looks like? Maybe that means I have to cook for myself, or maybe that means I have to rest. And so I think it's especially useful for people with procrastination, but also people with perfectionism issues of, you know, that, that I suffered with as well of thinking you have to be doing something for your job 24 seven to be worthwhile. Whereas like, no, how do you take care of yourself? How do you, you know, rest is productive when you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. I think I, I, I need to get that for myself. I always tell people I'm a part, I'm a part-time procrastinator. Right? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Cause there, I, you know, it's like I go through phases. So I might get up one day and just like, all right, I'm on it. And the next day I just don't have the, the, I have the mind to do it, but I don't necessarily have the drive to do it. And I always say, if I just have, you know, my assistant be like, Hey, this is what we have to get done today. One, two, three. Then it's like, all right, that's all I need. Just that, that little push. So it's yeah. Like, and there's no, there's no shame yeah. in it. Like I have that in my book of like, so many people procrastinate. There's so many different reasons why we procrastinate. And it's not like a failure of our own. It's just, okay, here's some, some tactics you can use to help you on, yeah, on the, your worst yeah. days, you know? Yeah, that's great. That's great. I've, I I like that. I'm going to have to get my own copy of it. Um, Amber, again, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, I want you to have the last words, right? So I want you to leave us with a word of advice, uh, inspiration, however you feel uh, to express it. Definitely leave us with your website and your um, social media handles uh, so we know how to find you and how to work with you. Um, while you think on that, I want to, to my listeners, I told you guys that I would tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast. And you can do that by subscribing, uh, by entering our super subscriber contest. So what does that mean? That means you must subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our Facebook page, and to our podcast on Spotify. And after you've done those three things, you text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866-326-0730 to qualify uh, to win $100. You know, and, and that's all it, it takes. The, con the contest is ongoing, so it never stops. So once you enter it, you're always, uh, uh, you know, entered to win it. Um, and it's random, so there's no 
particular time. It might be today, might be tomorrow, whenever. I just pull a name and, you know, you win $100. It's just that simple. So, uh, again, you can win $100 from the podcast by joining, uh, by entering the Super Subscriber Contest. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Spotify uh, podcast on Spotify. Text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866 866- Three two six zero seven three zero to qualify to win a hundred dollars in the super subscriber contest. Amber, again, thank you so very much for taking our time uh, to be here uh, with me and my listeners. I definitely enjoyed it. I'm sure there uh, that the listeners enjoyed it also because you know you added a lot of value uh, to us today, and we definitely appreciate it. And that being said, I'll let you have the last word. So the floor is yours. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a joy. Uh, you can reach me at, at Myron underscore education on Instagram. You can also find uh, more information about coaching in the ebook on myroneducation.com. And my last advice for everyone listening is the same thing I've been talking about for a long time, which is acceptance, accept your life, accept new ideas, accept that you don't know everything and accept people who are different than you and accept yourself and love yourself because once you love yourself, everything becomes easier. And I learned that the hard way. <laughs> all right. All right. That's great. We can't end the no better than that. Uh, to the listeners, thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, where our mission is to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with their problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill their purpose. Thank you guys for listening. Until next week, be blessed. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem. Heal from the pain and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.